0: This is where we remember truth, to make the world a better place, one person at a time. I'm Claire Lotier, Inspirational Speaker, Teacher of the Technology of Transformation, and a Certified Life Mastery Consultant and Spiritual Coach. Welcome to the Grace Space. Well, I am practically giddy to share this conversation with Rebecca Northan. Rebecca is a theatre creator, and one of the most exciting artists on the Canadian stage. And why not the world? She's an offbeat, unconventional, creative thinker with a unique perspective on life and art that's refreshing, unexpected, and ridiculously fun. As a human, I experience her as courageous, a vulnerable and beautiful being who reflects to us the absurdity, the fragility and the beauty of life in ways that are both darkly funny and poignantly tender, and that ultimately bring us all closer together. Rebecca is a multi-award nominated and award-winning performer whose career path spans film, television, and theater. She's known for her role on the CTV and the comedy network sitcom Alice, I think. She was a member of the Second City Toronto main stage cast, and she may be best known on stage at least for her performance piece Blind Date, which was picked up by a Broadway producer, sold out its run at Ars Nova in New York City, and was met with rave reviews. It also had a seven-week run at the Charing Cross Theatre in London, UK, and as of 2021 it had had over 900 performances. Blind Date, among other award-winning projects, was produced under the banner of Rebecca's Spontaneous Theatre, a theatrical genre that she has pioneered which casts an audience member in the lead role. Rebecca considers herself a Jill of all trades. She's an actor, director, playwright, teacher, a smartass, and a brat. (laughs) Those are her words. And she spent the last 20 years making her own work in Canadian theater, in between working for other people. Sometimes she teaches, but on the whole, she has fewer answers and more and more questions. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. Let's listen in. Welcome, Rebecca. I am so happy to have you here. I've been looking forward to this for ages. Me too. So you just got off of your Goblin Macbeth. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I saw the first post that you put on Facebook about the Goblin Macbeth, I was like, oh, no. No, I can't believe that I have to miss this <laughs> because oh. I'm here in France, <laughs> and I I started paying attention to all the posts about it because it just struck me as the perfect idea, and I can't put my finger on why it was. So I would love it. To, just, first makes all, it, it just makes it sense. It does. It makes a weird sense. Ooh. Tell me why. Why for you does it make sense? Well,
1: it makes sense to me on all kinds of levels. I love. I've always loved mask work. Like really love mask work. Uh, It's so liberating. Um, But it's an idea that I've been rolling around for probably four or five years, and it it kind of bubbled up, you know, through those conversations where a theater says, we're going to do Hamlet. And everyone's first question is, oh, yeah, who's playing Hamlet? (laughs) And I thought, what if you didn't know who was playing Hamlet? Like, what if there was n- not just no program, but what if everyone's faces were in masks and and you and we just never told you, maybe then you would just hear the play. Do you know, like ah. and, and, and also that the actor playing Hamlet in that case wouldn't be burdened with uh, in their own persona in a way. What's your Hamlet going to be like? <sighs> I didn't like the pressure of that. And so very quietly, I started mentioning to like a couple of close friends, Friends, like I have this weird idea and then there would either be one of two response either either the person I would be talking to would say you mean no one would ever know it was me no matter what part I was playing that sounds amazing sign me up and then and then the the flip side of that is actors who would say no one would know it was me and I'd do all that work forget it <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that
0: that teaches us a
1: lot right there <laughs> It sure does. (laughs) It sure does. And so the original idea was for Goblin Hamlet, um, but Goblin Macbeth came about because my good friend Hasem Kadri, who's the artistic director of the Shakespeare Company in Calgary, lost a production, like with very little turnaround time. And my creative partner and I, Bruce Horak, both kind of know the Scottish play really well. I've directed it twice and had already had already had a cut down version of it. And we just went, yeah, we could put that together. Let's do that. Um, I mean, in my mind, I I want like a cast of 20 people in Goblin Mask, but we just didn't have the time or the money. So there was there were three of us like Bruce and I basically played up most of the characters and then we had a musician that appeared as some servants as Fleance. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. And there are so many things just in this, with the brief summary that you just gave us, so many things about the way that you think that I think make you such an individual artist, such a delight to have a conversation with which is one of the big reasons why i i was like I, i've got to interview this woman on the grace space because there there are so many there's so many ways in which you think differently you know i mean asking the very question what if you didn't know who was playing hamlet you know removing the burden uh from from first of all the the Person who's playing Hamlet, but re- removing the burden of history from something, oh, right? Yeah. And and just looking at things in a completely different way, it reminds me. I flashed to a moment years ago in Stratford uh, when we used to have the hockey game between. The Stratford Festival, uh, you know, the uh, company and the staff. And, what? And I've crew. never heard of that. Oh my God! It was a riot. <laughs> and, and 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 one time, uh, Dan Shamroy was uh, was the commentator. And as the the players were flying around on the ice, he he said in an amusing kind of way, "What if the puck were white?" <laughs> <laughs>
1: a whole other game.
0: <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's fantastic. It's a whole other game. So I flashed to that moment when you said, you know, what if we didn't know who was playing Hamlet? What if you didn't know who the actors were? What if it was just about listening to the play, hearing the words, you know, hearing something in a completely different way and and that's what i find fascinating now you said that you want goblins to do for theater what the blue men did for percussion what do you mean by that
1: well everybody knows the blue man group but i (laughs) but but you but you can't name an individual who i mean unless you personally know someone who is in the blue man group i can't say like you know that middle blue guy he's yeah (laughs) (laughs) because they were all bald and blue yeah yeah and you know and our goblins are all bald and yellow with like black spots. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, I was never really into percussion, not until the Blue Man Group came out and you're like, wow, drumming, amazing, (laughs) drumming by itself. Uh, Yeah, so yeah, I I, I think that there's freedom, there's freedom in anonymity, which Mm -hmm. in a way seems the opposite of being an actor, kind of maybe i don't know um and then and then the, the, because of course as my like when my imagination gets going around like well what else could the goblins do and and i'm like okay i want a whole ensemble of monsters and goblins who do the classics <laughs> like i want to do the cherry orchard now and i definitely want to do streetcar named desire with the goblins <laughs> yes. i think that they'd be really good at it oh my god but they're so- not they're, they're not the goblins i will say they're not they're not fully convinced of the practice of theater like I think that they find it a bit that was that was part of the framework of this goblin Macbeth was that the goblins found the complete works of William Shakespeare and they're like hmm this guy Shakespeare seems to know a little bit about our world he talks about fairies and Mm -hmm. witches and goblins and monsters maybe we'll try him out and we'll try theater. That's, that was their, their sort of thing is like, we're going to try theater tonight by doing our version of Macbeth. And some nights at the end, one of them would say, yeah, I feel, I feel less lonely. That might huh. be a reason to try
0: again. Oh, I love this. So tell me more about goblins. They seem to be emerging in this conversation as, a, as an entity that... Um, uh, almost like an energy that comes in that teaches us about <laughs> humans. So what did Maybe. you learn what did you learn about humans from from goblins? Well,
1: <laughs> that humans are a lot more comfortable with pretending like there's a bit of that was kind of built into the show as well that 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 the goblins are a bit like again we're not we're not totally sure of this like pretending to be something other than what you are, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but we'll try it, and they that I they they learn they do sort of. The, no one's gonna like. Who's gonna see Goblin Macbeth? The the, go, the goblins actually kill a theater volunteer in the middle of the sh- of the show. <laughs> so of <course> they do. <laughs> and and they have they, they actually stop like one of they they stop the show to go wait a minute I smell fresh blood like I actually smell fresh blood what is that and one of and the other goblin the goblin who's playing Macbeth goes yeah I killed that that front of house volunteer. Uh, and then it's like, mm, but I think theater is meant to be pretend. And that goblin's like, yeah, yeah. I, pre- I pretended she was Duncan and I killed her. <laughs> oh, And well, then the, 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 venue, the venue technician loses his mind and like all the house lights come up and they're screaming from the booth of like, you killed my assistant. Like what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to do lights for you guys if there's any more actual killing. And the goblins are like, okay we we'll pro we promise that we won't kill anybody else oh
0: my god For the duration
1: of the of the thing but it's not it's just they're like
0: it's not gonna be the same <laughs> yeah. i'm totally crying right now everybody it's <laughs> <laughs> How we massacred, I mean, yeah, that, that is darkly funny in and of itself, but there's a bigger reason I'm trying to put my finger on why it is I'm laughing so hard. I'm crying here. And I think it's something to do with the, with your mind, Rebecca, um, and, and how you, uh, help us to liberate ourselves from constraints, you know, and from Mm -hmm. conventional ways of thinking and doing things, you know, and it's so, um, it's so joyful and it's, it's just, and it's wonderfully insane. And I think we need more of that. And, oh, yeah, you know, so I, this, t- to me, this, this leads me to another question about your life as a, um, as a creative artist, as opposed to an an interpretive artist. And, you know, we are not saying one is higher than another and just, they're just different ways of working. Mm -hmm. And I remember you telling me once that you said, you know, you were putting on plays in your living room, uh, like you did, you know, like we did when we were kids, Yeah, we we used to put on a play in the driveway, you know, with the neighbor's kids and and invite the parents over, you know, just because we, you wanted to do it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and this idea of, um, you know, not waiting for permission or for the right circumstances in quotes Mm -hmm. to be the artist that you are, you know, not waiting for somebody else to give you a job. Well,
1: I I mean, I do still. I do a lot of waiting for jobs. I still do that. I mean, I, I, I try to do, I try to do both. And I'll, and I tell students this when I'm teaching too, is like, do all, like send out your resume, do the general auditions, crash auditions if anyone does that anymore. Um, You know, Do all of that. That's part, but then while you're waiting, like don't just sit and wait. That that's that's where madness lies in my mind. I'm not good at being idle. So Mm -hmm. then I'm like, okay, in the interim, what will I what will I do while I wait for an offer?
0: Well, I'll make something. Right. So where where did your where do your creative ideas come from? Up there. (laughs) The ether. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know.
1: I mean, I certainly, so I, like my training in improvisation um, at Loose Moose with Keith Johnstone, like uh, um, a, a constant refrain in the training was, it, it's your job to be obvious. Hmm. Um, just be obvious, but also understand that what's obvious to you might not necessarily be obvious to someone else. But if it's the next most obvious logical step in your mind, then take, then take the step. Be be obvious rather than trying to be clever or interesting mm. or original. Oh God, don't try to be original.
0: So be obvious. It, it, would that be in the sense of innocence? Of being innocent? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. What uh, did it I, mean I, to
1: you? Well, it meant tell a good story. Uh, I think ultimately, uh, uh, it meant it, it meant it meant slowing down, like slowing down and and, and and in a way, I think as offered as an antidote to fear, which is if I'm not looking for an interesting idea or I'm not looking for a good idea, I'm just looking for what's the next most obvious step that's That's a little simpler and maybe easier to deal with it in a moment to moment basis than panicking about getting to the end or like what does the whole thing look like I don't know what the whole thing looks like I only know where I've been so if I can see where I've been then I make the next step based on where I've come from
0: wow yeah this is a fascinating Uh, just uh what you just said about uh not not being able to not trying to be clever not trying to figure things out not trying to to do this from the mind basically and to being open to whatever creative inspiration is coming and to take the next step the, yeah. the next step is the only thing and and all we know so far is what we've lived up until now right and then there's this present moment you know which mm-hmm. I- improvisation is 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 really being in the present moment being open to the present moment um, and and just allowing what's next to come through and saying yes to the improv, basically, right? Just saying yes to whatever's coming, whatever's coming next. That's yeah. how I interpret, you know, the, the, the obvious, the word obvious. Mm-hmm. And this is, to, to me, this is a very, very much parallel or, you know, in a way, mm-hmm. um, you know, a living metaphor for how to move through life. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah, right? I'm better, I'm better at it, like, on stage than I am in my real life aren't we I mean, as if as, as if those are t- those are like utterly separate things they're not but but you know what am i going to what am i going to be when i grow up and like what's the next thing i'm going to do in my career like the stakes feel higher when you need to have more numbers in your bank account
0: right <laughs> right and the the fear comes in mm-hmm. whereas we just allow ourselves to play on stage we're just more willing to allow ourselves to play like children. I mean, one of the things that, that when I'm working with clients, for example, is we talk a lot about imagination and Mm. the power of the imagination. Lots of my clients are people in the performing arts, obviously, because that's the world that I came from. But, you know, I, I always say, I, and, and in saying, so I'm reminding myself how, um, how much license we give ourselves as artists, if you're rehearsing a play, for example, you know, to, um, to believe in the world of the play, to completely commit yourself to it, to throw yourself into it and to, you know, wrap up a blanket and hold it in your arms and, and know that it's a baby and mm. have everything about your, 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 the way you're holding yourself, the way your voice sounds and everything influenced by the fact that you believe you're holding a baby in your arms. I mean, nobody, nobody, no actor is, is going to be like, um, excuse me, I, this is just actually just a blanket that's rolled up. It's not actually a baby. So I can't do this. You know, <laughs> we, yeah. we we just automatically, you know, take on, we become the person who's holding the baby. And this is how I, uh, I try to remind myself and people that I work with that, you know, it's the same when we're uh, when we're creating uh, a vision for our lives or when we're stepping into a greater self that, you know, we, we have to, to put it on, you know, put it mm. on energetically. And even if we don't know what it is yet, we don't know. I mean, we, we don't know. We have to take the next step, right? The next obvious mm-hmm. step mm-hmm. based on the, the inspiration of the moment and to be willing to suspend disbelief, right? But of course, easier to, to do when you're in a rehearsal setting and you've given yourself permission to do that than it is to do it in your own life. And yet it's exactly the same skill. Oh, and the, the permission
1: thing is, it's, uh, it's everything. Isn't it like, like I, I will, I will, uh, just recently I, I've been doing a 12 week solo, uh, performance creation class with a friend of mine, Tracy Aaron Smith. She's incredible at it, but it, it, it she'll even, she'll even say on the first day, like, so why are we all taking a solo theater class? Well, because um if you would just sit down at your desk and do the work you wouldn't need me but like almost nobody does it so at least here it's like you you must show up on wednesday i'm going to give you exercises to start generating material and her classes are all about generating um theater material from your own life from your own true stories and she just kind of teases things out of you but there's but there she like there's the person we've endowed with the power to give us permission,
0: completely. Well, and it, and it's like we need we need that person who's a reflection of the disciplined part of ourselves. Actually, you know, yeah, the one who's going to give us the framework uh, to to you know allow our own creativity in a way. Sure.
1: Well, and and then there's the like the the the. The, I really want to go on an adventure, but also I want to not do anything. I want to just stay safe and watch more Netflix. Like we ran into (laughs) that even working on Goblins where we were like, because, because on Goblins there, we had no director. So it was just Bruce and I in the room alone. Uh, And like all actors, we'd be like, let's go to Value Village and find more costumes instead of actually getting on our feet and doing the work. Cause there's this like resistance to going there. For what, like, I don't, like, like, what is that? And yet when I go there, I love it. I love it. And I go like, oh, I discovered great things and that was really fun. And
0: why are we so hesitant? So let's go into that more deeply because I I know it's the same. I think it's a human trait. You know, what is this resistance that we have To going into the experience you know we always want to put things off you know i got to do my laundry first i should check my emails first i should do all of these things before i actually get down to the creative work what is that resistance that's a great question if we if
1: we find the answer in the next like 20 minutes we'll be millionaires (laughs) (laughs) um what is it i i i I, I, it's fear. I think it's always, it's just, it's, it's fear uh, underneath it, but fear of what? Like my own creative genius, maybe, or, or there, there might be just fear of failing. Like I want to do something creative, but what if it isn't as good as I, it is. You know, there's that thing of in my mind, I'm an incredible painter, but when I put blobs of colored pudding on the canvas, that's not what was in my head. Now I'm embarrassed, or
0: well, I've seen your your pet portraits. And, and <laughs> I, th- I think you're an amazing painter. But you. I mean, I, I know okay. exactly. Yeah. What, I know what you mean, right? Mm. I mean, it's uh, this is the same feeling that I, I had for years and years before I would sit down to meditate, for example, and I would have Oof. and I still have an echo of the that. feeling right now. Yeah, but th- it's exactly the same thing. I what the fear is, is that there's nothing there.
1: Oh, gosh, like that you look inside yourself and you're startled by an empty void.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the, that's How is that was not even possible, but like, <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe, maybe it was more like there, there's, you know, the fear that, um, that I'm not real somehow, you know, that there is no oh. God, that, that, that there is no, no order to anything, you know, that, mm. that, that, you know, real, real existential fear. And I think that that's a fear that we face on some level as creative artists too, you know, like, what, is anything that I do even worth it? Is it even worthwhile? Uh, yeah. I mean, what is it? Will anyone it like it?
1: Like? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like right up until, uh, you know, five minutes before we did our first Goblin performance, Bruce and I kept asking each other, are we about to go and humiliate ourselves? <laughs> we might be, <laughs> well, let's do it anyway. People paid for tickets, so let's go out there. <laughs> um, I, and then you have to go like, oh, well, uh, also how human, let's go humiliate ourselves. Maybe people will find comfort in watching us humiliate ourselves. <laughs> I don't know, but I was gonna say uh, this story. This is a true story. Uh, so my I, my mom passed away when when I was 23 and she was 45 of cancer, and she died at home. My brother and I and her best friend were with her, uh, and and uh, I had an out of body experience at her bedside. Um, so it, the home care nurse had like come to wake me up. It was like four in the morning. she was like, you should probably go be with your mom. Cause it's going to be, it's, she's getting close. It's amazing that there's people that know that yeah. it's getting close. So I came upstairs and, and, and I said, how long do you think? And she said maybe six or eight hours again, like that's weirdly accurate. <laughs>
0: mm.
1: And so, so we, I, we, my brother and her best friend were already in there, and and I came in and sat down, and um, it, the whole thing was so moving and overwhelming. So I was sitting, holding her hand, but I at the t- I was so emotional, I couldn't speak, and I don't know how long I was sitting there. And then it was like this voice in my head said, "It wasn't, it wasn't me." <laughs> this voice said, "She doesn't know you're here because she can't hear your voice," and I went, "Oh." Okay, so I just started talking uh, to her. And then there was this like, we didn't, we didn't even look at each other or nod or like any kind of agreement, but the three of us just started giving her permission to leave, we, we kept saying like, you're good, we're with you, we'll be okay, don't stay for us, just let go, it's okay, it's okay, we'll be okay. And what should have taken eight hours, according to the nurse, took maybe 10 minutes um, and, and then there was that, you know, that if you've ever, I, I say to friends, if you've ever had the privilege to sit with someone as they pass, it's very clear. They're there, they're there, they're there. Oh, they're not there. How humbling, how and it's simple. And, and so it was like, oh, she's not there. And then all three of us, this was interesting too, uh, we turned away from each other. And, and went into private grieving. And so I, I I was sitting on the side of the bed, and I tipped my head forward, and I was sobbing into my hands. And the next thing I knew, I felt myself leave my body through the back of my neck. And like, I could, I so I was above the bed, I could see myself and my brother and, and Marilyn, my mom's best friend, I see my mom's body. And then And then I was outside the house and I could see our house and our yard. Then I could see all of Calgary. And then everything went black and like quiet, like, and warm. And the message that I was given again, it was this voice It was very simple. It just said, um, we want you to know you can have anything you want. The only thing that will ever get in your way is your own fear do you understand? And I went, yeah. And then boom, back, back in my body, back on the side of the bed. Now, like tremendous experience, like, wow, mind-blowing, life-altering, so calming. Told my mom's best friend about it. She was like, that was your mom. You ascended. You ascended halfway with your mom. She took you. (laughs) I mean, I was like, well, I don't know. Sure. That's an interpretation. I, I don't know what happened, but I got this message. Do you think I can remember that right before I walk into an audition? Absolutely <laughs> not. Like, I, I, my leg trembles when I do audition pieces. I've done enough now that I'm like, I, in my mind, I can go like, there goes my leg in the middle of my monologue. Uh, so it's like, I, I was given this like really clear message and I forget it constantly.
0: Like, You constantly. know what? I, I have to affirm you for a second. First okay. of all, what an amazing story. Mm-hmm. I, and, and it really resonates with me. I lost my father when I was 23. Oh, uh, wow. he, he died in an accident. And I also had a very clear perception of um, that moment and its place in my life. Uh, mm. And it was a completely dispassionate uh, realization. Mm. And um, I think that it's entirely possible to live your life uh, As proof of what they told you, you know that you can have anything you want, and that the only thing that ever gets in your way is your own fear. I, to me, looking at you, it seems like you do live your life from that place. But doing, doing the, (laughs) well, I mean, improv—that's like the definition of living your life from that place, right? But, but, but you know, doing something and doing it with the fear. That's the thing, you know, you, I don't yeah. know if the fear ever goes away. I yeah. think maybe it just, you know, it's, it's that it doesn't stop us anymore from, from, you know, acting. It doesn't freeze us into place anymore. It's just, um, you know, we're aware of the fear. Like you're aware of your leg is shaking during an audition. I was just audition. thinking that. I was like, you know?
1: oh, how have
0: I not connected those dots before? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> Thank I think, you, Claire. <laughs> Well, for what it's worth. i having, mm. having been there myself, you know, it's just that you become more aware and you have more space inside yourself so that you can see those things happening, but they don't completely take you over and you don't get totally identified with them and lose this sense of your larger, your larger identity. Um, you know, the, the self that was up in the, in the ether, yeah. you know, what an amazing, amazing gift.
1: It was pretty great. I, I mean, I, uh, my agent i've been with the same agent for 20 years now i always joke with him that he's my longest term relationship <laughs> <laughs> um uh and uh he actually on more than one occasion uh, uh, uh has said to me you be careful what you say out loud because i'll i'll like four things will come at once And I have to choose and I hate choosing because, of course, as an actor, you're like, I want to do it all. (laughs) But everything will like stuff will show up at the same time. And then I tear myself apart. Going, what's the right choice? What's the right choice? But I think Mm -hmm. like I I decided recently. So I bought a really beautiful notebook. It's like fake leather. (laughs) It's like purple vegan leather. And then I bought a like purple pen because as a kid, purple is my favorite color. So then I like to do like, I like to like go, what does my little kid want? So it was like, well, I, might, I want that purple notebook and a purple pen. <laughs> and uh, uh, I decided uh, that um, uh, I would refer to this book as my grimoire and that and I I set this task for myself. I haven't done it. I haven't actually followed through on it yet, but the intention for the book is that is for me to sit and remember any time in my life where either the voice spoke the voice, in quotation marks, spoke very clearly to my benefit
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and or that that I ask, was asking for something either in my mind or out loud that arrived
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that it seemed like it would be good, it would be a good practice to, like, just to even prove to myself, like, no, there's a pattern here. Like, this does, it's a thing. Like Like, you know, I, I was driving down a back alley and the voice said, you should pull over. And I said, I'm gonna be late for acting class. That was when I was in university. And the voice said, you really should pull over. And I was like, I don't have time. And I turned a corner and got in a car accident, Uh. like immediately. Uh, Or or uh, there was a time I had a headache and it wouldn't go away and I never get headaches. And the voice said, call your dentist. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Okay, I'll call my dentist. And I got an emergency appointment and they did an x-ray and they were like, you have to stay here. Like your tooth is about to explode. It's completely gone on the inside. How are you not, how do you only just have a headache? Like they couldn't figure it out.
0: Oh so, my gosh! You know,
1: wanting to like like record these moments of I like I actually I just refer to them as like actual magic. Well, it sounds if like more magic. How about more magic?
0: Your your intuition actually speaks to you in a voice. You know, I mean, some people have that.
1: Every once in a while, it's. I wish it was. Now that I've kind of I wish it was more more often and maybe it is and i just also have i also have anxiety so my mo- like there's like 27 voices in there <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> right but i bet your <laughs> i bet your intuitive
1: voice is always really calm when it has come in the few like few really clear identifiable moments it's so calm and it cuts through everything and I'm able to have a like, a, like you know, I can have a short dialogue with it. Usually, mm-hmm. I'm trying to argue with it, and it's like, "No, really, you should pull over."
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, this is so valuable. I mean, the the uh, the we I work with. Oh, hang on, just a second, Rebecca. I just realized my computer is going to go to sleep if I don't plug it in. Hang on. Oh yeah, plug it in. <laughs> Sorry, I have it's to edit okay. that out. Okay. Um, you know, one of the major points of teaching for me is intuition, how to recognize it, mm. you know, what, for, because it's different for different people, the way that it shows up, but it's always got that quality of practicality and unemotionality. Right. And so people are like, "But well, how do I separate it from all the other voices in my head? <laughs> well, because, you know, we do have tons of voices in our head, oh, right? so many. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's never, as you just said, it's, it's never fraught, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's calm, it's dispassionate. And, um, and it's always looking out for you. And, you know, one of the (laughs) crazy things that I've noticed about my intuition, and this was something that, uh, that I had to prove to myself was that it cares about everything. It doesn't measure things like this is important. This is not, this is big, Mm. this is small. Like, you know, one time I was um, going to get some lunch and I was on a tight schedule because I had a, Uh, a client coming up and had to get back home, but there was no food in the house. So I had to go out and like order something and I'm waiting in line and I'm looking at the menu and I'm like, oh, oh, instead of getting the same thing I always get, I I was like, well, I want to try those Buffalo cauliflower tacos. And Mm -hmm. as I'm eyeing that on the menu, I hear my voice say to me, they're out of tortilla shells. And I'm thinking, what? Mm-hmm. no, but I want those. <laughs> I want those. <laughs> You're right. It's like your little kid inside, yeah, right? My yeah, little, my I little kid was like, I want Buffalo cauliflower taco shells. Mm-hmm. And so I ordered that. Right. And the guy's like, okay, great. You know? So then I'm waiting and I'm waiting 10 minutes go by. And the guy comes back out. He's like, oh, I am so sorry, but we are out of taco shells. And I'm like, ah, oh. I said, oh, that's okay. You know, I'll just take what I always get. And so that added another 10 minutes to my, right. Mm -hmm. And I was cutting it close and I, and I was like, I can't believe that my little voice was like, there are no taco shells. It's just trying to save me 10 minutes because it knows that I have an appointment, you know, and, and you think well, yeah, but why would your intuition, intuition is mystical and magical. Why would it care, you know, about it's so practical. taco shells? No, exactly. <laughs> it's like anything that contributes to a better life for you is it, your intuition is, I like, this universe is constantly looking after us constantly. And we just, it, we're the ones who measure things and say, oh, this is important. And this is not important. And this is big. And this is small, you know, the universe doesn't do that. Yeah, and and you know what you said <clears throat> about your um. Oh, what was it the, about the purple notebook? My yes to the kid. Oh yeah, yeah. Wait, <laughs>
1: first of all, what is that word? What is that grim, word? Grimoire. It's it's like a that's a book where oh witches memoir. Would, grim, no, grimoire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right? Yeah, like memoir grimoire. Yeah, that's a my it, my understanding is that it's a book where witches would write their spells and. Most oh, to themselves, it. and it's only your book. And
0: well, that makes total sense. And you know, yeah. as you write things down, and this is something else that I would say as a teaching point. You know, it's it's mm. I love hearing these things come back to me from you. Is that you know, it, if you want to increase your intuition, like increase your awareness of it, that's yeah. exactly what you would do: is to to keep track of how it mm. talks to you and keep track of the ways in which it makes things manifest. Because we have this tendency. The mind has this tendency to just then sort of forget about it, write it off, and be like, "Okay, whatever, no big deal." It, it no, it is. It's huge, actually, and yeah. it, in a way, it's like it wants to disprove the the miraculous nature of life. You know, the mind. It's like you know, oh, never mind that. You know, that, so that was amazing. Well, you know, anyway, it's, it probably would happened anyway. You know, it wants well, to this write it off.
1: Very long term daydream that I've had, and I talk about it when I do my show, Blind Date, all the time. Like it came. It, I think the, the image of it like came up during a performance where I was in clown nose. Um, And uh, because clowns, of course, like, like clowns and goblins, like they just know magic is real. Like there, there are, and especially for clown, like in the clown training I've done that they're like, everything is love and magic. That's it. Uh, And so my, my. The, the image for me is like the daydream. I've, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for there to be a global press conference of all the top scientists from around the world. And they come in, like the room is packed, you know, with like journalists and cameras and, and there's a long table with microphones and all of the world scientists come in and they all are quite serious and they all sit down. And then the guy in the middle just leans into the mic and, and on behalf of all the scientists goes, Uh, magic is real. And and then they just get up
0: and they walk out. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Me too. It's almost like, you know, they would come down and be like, um, okay, there are aliens. Aliens do exist. And they love us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they're, and they're not, they're not against us. They actually mm. love us and they're, yeah. they have awesome technology and they're going to share it with us and it's all going to be good. Because I'm of the view that, that the world has changed already. The tide has turned and the world is in a uh, different paradigm now. And everything so. in that paradigm supports goodness and light, integrity, truth, and all the things that are really true about us in our most essential self, not the selves that are you know misbehaving on the human plane, but yeah. in our most uh, essential selves, that that you know this is this is the world that that we're moving into. It's a new kind of it's a new earth, and it's a new human living on this new earth. And I think the more that we focus on that, and the less we um, focus on the things that aren't working, the more we make that true for ourselves. And then therefore, the more we make it true for ourselves, the more true it becomes for other people. Mm-hmm. You know, it becomes a, a big, a big pool of agreement that things are getting better. The things are not getting worse. Things are getting better. And uh, I, I firmly that's, that is definitely, that's my view. Uh, and that's, and it's what I experience. And the more and more people I talk to are starting to believe that maybe uh, we're worth something. Oh, that's so beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we are. Yeah, I think so. Tell Mm -hmm. me, remember the guy that you you told me about, a guy who came up onto the stage during Blind Date and and uh, and he he wanted to stop because he said, you know, that nobody could possibly be (laughs) interested in him.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a a lot of them. A lot of them think, am I just up here for five minutes and I'm not interesting. yeah, we took a little break. And I said, Let, let's just check with the audience. Like, you know, by, by applause, uh, how many of you are a bit bored by this guy and don't want to learn more about him? And it was just like silent. <laughs> and his whole energy shifted. Like, he just couldn't believe that 200 people were like leaning in. And I said, well, here's the, like, you think your life is boring, maybe, because you do it every day. But like, we're desperate to know more about you we wonder like in what ways are we the same and in what ways are we different and how interesting Uh, so do you want to continue and he's like okay
0: (laughs) yeah that's such a beautiful story and and it feels like you know there are are legions of uh, invisible supporters you know the 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 we that you talked about when you left your body you know Mm -hmm. what we want you to know Mm -hmm. those invisible supporters of ours they feel that way about each and every one of us you know that we're worth something and that our stories are you know um there are stories for a reason you know and
1: oh and then well then the the question i like to ask in blind date a lot (laughs) Uh, is, is, and I'll even say, here's a crazy question. What if you are enough? God. And people always laugh. The response is like, "Ah," and they laugh. And I'm like, but
0: what, but what if that's true though? And then what? (laughs) and, And what do people, what do people, what do people, I mean,
1: after they laugh, they're usually quite dumbfounded by the idea. Like you can see like a kind of, I I interpret it as a, like a delightful short circuit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So true. Uh,
1: You know, like, well, cause if you were enough, you know, then like the beauty industry might crumble and (laughs)
0: like,
1: like then if you're enough, then you, then, then, then like, isn't like 90% of the struggle day-to-day struggle gone. Like,
0: Yes. Yes. And then exactly. what do you do?
1: If you're not like, if you're not spending half your time, like berating yourself, which is what I do.
0: <laughs> uh, well, you're, you're, yeah. you're right. I mean, what you're saying is, it's actually huge that because <laughs> if, if we were enough, if we knew that we, we are enough. Okay. But if we knew that we were enough, like for sure, you knew it for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Then we would be completely unexploitable. Yeah. By any industry. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, we'd spend a lot less money. And (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. a world of human beings who know that they are enough is a completely different world. Yeah. So really, I, I mean, I guess if I had to like summarize my mission in life now, it would be, it would be that it would be to help people understand that they are enough, right. That there's nothing wrong with them. And it reminds me of an exercise that we do at the ashram where I go, to learn uh, with my teacher and also to mentor and to be part of the teaching team there. Um, if we did it a few weeks ago, you get people in pairs and we have a series of sentences, and you say the sentence to your partner, and your partner um, exaggerates almost like clowns mm-hmm. your, your way of saying the sentence. And, and here's why because the first sentence is, I am happy to be myself. <laughs> i'm happy to be myself <laughs> exactly it doesn't like so you believe it say
1: it again <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that, it's yeah. totally like an acting exercise i'm yeah. happy to be myself and to watch the contortions that people go through trying to say that and and so it basically really it reveals all these layers of the mask that oh, we wow. have oh, with ourselves so cool. right and the other person is your mirror and is lovingly mirroring back to you what you just did so that you can see that, you know, you don't actually believe that you don't believe it. You, you, so you try to convince, you try to blow it off. You try to, you try to believe it. And the way that the muscles move in your face and the way Mm -hmm. your voice changes and the, the way that you get awkward and uncomfortable belies the truth, which is that you don't believe that you are not happy to be yourself because you don't know who yourself is. Not really. Because if you knew who yourself was, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, if you were enough and you knew that you were enough, you would know who that self is and you would be happy to be that self, right? That's the first in a series of questions that basically leads to I am the source. I am God, you know. Yeah. It is fascinating. Well,
1: and And while you were talking about that, and you you were talking about the masks, all the masks, and I was thinking, the reason I love doing mask work or wearing a clown nose, which is also referred to as the smallest mask in the world by some people, <laughs> it is uh, uh, that 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 you as soon as you put the mask on, you are unmasking like that that covering of the face or covering of the nose like gives that permission, you get permission. Like if I'm being a goblin, I don't have to censor myself like, or, or you know, as a clown care, I don't really censor myself. And I was, <laughs> my therapist, I have the best therapist. She was asking me about my clown. <laughs> I feel, I always feel cheesy with saying my clown. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and I said, oh, well, you know, me, her name is Mimi and, and she's French. Mm-hmm. And uh, like she's way more patient than I am and she has a better sense of humor and you know, all of her emotions are easily accessible and she's less judgmental sometimes, but you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. My therapist was like, but she's you. And I was like, "Mm." (laughs) yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But yeah, why can't I walk around like that all the time? I'd be a better person if I was Mimi every day or, but uh, maybe you have a similar thing. Like I, I am a better human being when I'm the teacher than when
0: I'm just walking around. Oh, for sure. The same is true of me when I'm teaching or working with somebody. I'm, I get to be in my higher self and I truly yeah. feel that that's what happens. There's something, you know, because it's not about me. And, and so I get out of the way yeah. and, and, you know, and when we get out of the way, then something else can happen, you know, that is uh, much more powerful than the, this idea that we have of ourselves, of this limited self, who's, you know, um, a, a, an isolated fragment in a hostile universe. So that phrase you just
1: used, get out of the way, uh, mm-hmm. my mentor, uh, my acting mentor, one of them is a woman named Pamela Brooke, who you know, like worked at the festival when she was 17 or something like and, and toured with Bill Hutt and whatever. At, so the, she was doing a show in New York with Ava Legallion when when Legallion was like in her late 80s, early 90s. And Pamela was quite a young actor and Legallion would come to her at the five minute call backstage in the wing every night. And she would cup Pamela's head and say, get out of the way. <laughs> and, and then they'd get places. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I I always lo- I love when the like familiar phrases come out of the mouths of other people, and I go, whoa, 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 what, what? I know that I that's familiar. I know that that.
0: Oh, well, yeah, I mean, um, the, this, the, uh, the other person is you, you know, that's what we say in, in Kundalini Yoga, remember that the other person is you. And so mm-hmm. when, you, when you are looking at someone, uh, you know, if you, can, if you can remember that that other person is you, is showing you some aspect or some facet of yourself, well, it makes you a better listener. First of all, hmm. because you you you're more present to to the light in them, which is the same light in you, and so you're actually finessing answers from your very own self through somebody else, and That's it comes so cool. through somebody else's mouth, right? <laughs> oh no!
1: Oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Here's a question. I hope I have an answer. (laughs) I'll make something up. Well,
0: first of all, first of all, (laughs) that makes me remember something you said about, you know, as you continue on in life, you have uh, fewer answers and more and more questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, that's the sign of someone who's really growing. Um, Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) actually I have three questions for you. Okay. So my first question is if you had one uh, piece of advice that you could give to, uh,
1: young artists today, what mm-hmm. would it be? Um, make best friends with a, a dental student and, uh, and someone who's going to law school. Don't be friends <laughs> with other artists. They're, so tell me what, to you. why is that? because dental work is very expensive. And if you don't take care of your teeth, you could die from a bad tooth. So your best friend needs to be a dentist. (laughs) (laughs) like Super practical. I only say that because as a young artist working in Calgary, there's a TYA company called Quest Theatre out there. And the artistic director at the time, this amazing man named Duval Lang, his best friend from school was a dentist. And I can't tell you how many young artists got sent to his best friend for free dental work.
0: Well, there's definitely something to be said for that. <laughs> I know that's being so,
1: that's so like selfish and practical. <laughs> <laughs> All right, check. That's the first question. <laughs> Second question. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I, I have, I have something like, like deeper and more spiritual for young
0: artists. Make your own work. Don't make wait. your own work. All right, yeah. I love it. Okay, here's another question. <laughs> uh, what would you say? to your younger self that you wish you'd known back then?
1: What would I say? Um, uh, I would, I you know what I would say? I would actually say, you don't have to grow up. Mm-hmm. You don't have to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that is what I would say. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, third question. <laughs> What advice does your future self have for you? Um, uh, hmm, what advice
1: does my future self have for me? I mean, the first thing she wants to say is like, look, you're very beautiful.
0: You're oh, beautiful.
1: Yes. <laughs> so stop with all the, like, bad talks, bad self-talk in the mirror. Um, yeah. Uh." uh Keep playing, I think. Mm-hmm. Just keep playing, keep playing. Yeah, and, and and yeah, yeah. Keep playing and trust yourself.
0: All right, I'm going to take that advice too for myself. <laughs> yeah, can, yeah. It's a good one. All
1: of those, including the dental work. <laughs> yeah, can you get a new best friend? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't even know where to meet a dentist. <laughs> not socially. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> I must say this has been one of the, I I, I have um, a pile of tissues next to the uh, computer here just because my eyes keep running because it, I've just been laughing and laughing through our whole conversation. It's been so joyful. And yeah. So super delightful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Oh, it's for, a pleasure for being. We have here. so many.
1: We have so many good friends in common. Like it's ridiculous
0: that this is our first conversation, our second big conversation. Yeah, yeah, really. I know. Yeah, it's one of those things that you can be in the same orbit with people for years and never really run into each other until it's time. I guess. until it's, until time. it's time, yeah, time. it's true. You know. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, I, I just uh, I see so many parallels between. Uh, What you do so fearlessly and so vulnerably and so beautifully um, with with the world that I'm in. You know, so many um, resonant and profound life lessons Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, are, you know, evidenced in the work that you do. And uh, I think everybody should know who you are and everybody should see and macbeth for sure oh, i i'm when it comes around to
1: do it again it was i've never sweat so much in my life as running around saying shakespeare with like a silicone bag on my head but <laughs> uh but man it's it's it was it was ridiculously fun <laughs> ridiculously fun yeah ridiculously fun mm-hmm. and and i i often when i'm in a project like that will say to well, Bruce and I have been working together for like 25 years, maybe longer. Um, I'll quietly say like, we did it, we did it. We tricked someone into paying us to hang out together again. Like they don't they don't realize we would do this for, this is so much fun to be together doing this that we would do this for free. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he's always like, yeah, yeah, shh, sh- quiet, quiet, quiet. The artistic director <laughs> is coming. No one needs to hear that. <laughs>
0: But that's true, isn't it? I mean, you know that you're in your calling when you're doing what you're doing and you 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 know you would do it for free. Yeah. You know that you're just doing it because, because it's what you're called to do. That's why they call it a calling. It comes from inside.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, For most definitely. Yeah, like with my brother and I doing commercial parodies in the living room like really early on. <laughs> like it's Completely. just it's always... Always been there. Yeah, it's a weird one. I mean, I do sometimes wish I had been called to something more lucrative, but whatever, it's too late. I can't <laughs> think of anything else. So these goblins better pay
0: off. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that everybody? <laughs> Universe. Hey, listen, you never know. Uh, I mean, all it takes is, is uh, you know, some some producer to come along and be like, this is the answer to everything goblins it, it
1: might be I, it might be
0: yeah yeah and yeah then-
1: honestly at the end sometime on the end of some of the performances just to test because i would just test the waters i would as a goblin would say well that was a cool theater experiment maybe next season we'll come back we'll do streetcar named desire and people will go like <laughs> wow like just screams <laughs> screams from from the from the audience is like wow well, wow well, maybe maybe we should
0: <laughs> oh my god well listen ridiculously fun that's what I would call this interview with you, oh, Rebecca. thank you. This was so thank much Thank you so much for Anytime. your presence here. Oh, gosh. And I can't wait to share this with everybody and to uh, and to have another conversation uh, either here in the gray space or just on our own. Many more. Yeah,
1: let's keep doing that. And then if anyone goes to my website, uh, it hasn't been updated in like two years. I know. It's on my to-do
0: list. <laughs> okay everybody you heard it that's just not You're- fun it's just not fun i can't do that stuff so <laughs> but we're definitely gonna you will you will know how to get in touch with rebecca uh, oh yeah and you'll know where to find her and mm-hmm. uh, i'm gonna leave that information for you in the show notes um because uh, this is a. Uh, this is a human being who will add love and light and laughter to your day. You know and, a, and the, just a little bit of weird. And, and just, a and, just weird. and the little bit of or the lot. A lot of weird. Or a just, lot. Just, or just a lot. The, just yeah. the amount that we that you need. That's right. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'll Thank see you. you soon. Okay. Okay. Oh my gosh, you guys. And then Rebecca and I went on to have another hour of conversation that was so chock full of gems that I wished I had kept recording. But I guess that means that we'll have to bring her back into the grace space. So check out the show notes below to find out how you can get in touch with Rebecca. She's always available to teach workshops on improv. And not only will you learn a ton about improv from a master of the art form if you work with her, but based on the conversations that I've had with Rebecca, I know for sure that if you work with her, what she has to transmit has a resonance far beyond improv itself. She's an amazing human being. If you dream of being part of a spiritually minded community of people who support each other's highest vision for whom they want to be and how they want to live, if you want to be part of the solution on this planet and contribute to the new earth that's being born, You'll find links in the show notes to learn more about how to join my inner circle of members and work with me personally on not only creating the results that you really want in your life here and now, but deeply understanding that it's only in following your heart and doing what you love that you can contribute to the good of the whole and If you're a performing artist or show business professional and you want to be more successful make more money contribute more and have more opportunities doing what you love using the skills that you already have i can show you how it's very common for people in the arts to believe that the decisions that affect their lives and careers are in other people's hands but the truth is you are the one and only creator at work in your life You can take back the power that you've given to others or to the industry. Just click on the link below to set up a free Empower Hour Breakthrough Session with me, and let's talk about what your dream life as an artist would look like and how to make that a living reality. I'll see you next time. Meanwhile, walk in grace. Thank you for joining me in the grace space where you're always in the right place. If you love this podcast, I invite you to subscribe to it and submit a review if you feel called to do so. Also, be sure to sign up for my newsletter right here. I look forward to spending this time with you again next week. Meanwhile, I send you love and blessings. Bye for now.